Welcome to TCC Alive, a podcast of Tulare Community Church. Hey there, Tulare Community Church. Uh, open up your Bibles, if you will, to the Gospel of Luke. We're going to be in Luke chapter 6 today as we continue with our sermon series. Luke chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and his disciples began to pick some heads of grain, rub them in their hands, and eat the kernels. Some of the Pharisees asked, Why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Jesus answered them, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and taking the consecrated bread, he ate what was lawful only for priests to eat, and he also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. On another Sabbath, he went into the synagogue and was teaching, and a man was there whose right hand was shriveled. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew what they were thinking and said to the man with the shriveled hand, Get up and stand in front of everyone. So he got up and stood there. Then Jesus said to them, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil? to save life or to destroy it. He looked around at them all, and then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He did so, and his hand was completely restored. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were furious and began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. So Jesus is really starting to bother the Pharisees. Prior to this passage, Jesus has been performing miracles, healing the sick, casting out demons, healing leprosy, healing a paralytic... And that's all good. That's exciting. You can imagine the buzz that is being created about Jesus. Miracles. That's got to be exciting. It's like the prophets of old, like Moses or Elijah or Elisha. And you got to think that the Pharisees, at least initially, initially came to Jesus with excitement. And maybe some skepticism too, but probably with a lot of excitement and a lot of hope. How could they not? Miracles. God's power being displayed among them. But now Jesus isn't saying the right kind of things. He healed a paralyzed man and said, Your sins are forgiven. Uh, That's not right. You shouldn't say that. Only God can forgive sins. This guy's theology is a little suspect. Jesus is not saying the right kinds of things. And Jesus is not doing the right kinds of things either. His disciples are not fasting. You really should fast, you know. It gets worse, though. Jesus is associating with bad people, with sinners, with tax collectors. Jewish tax collectors were viewed as traitors. They're the scum of the earth, people siding with their oppressors and selling out their own countrymen for money, for greed. And Jesus is eating with them, associating with them, fellowshipping with them. Jesus is not saying the right kinds of things. And he's not doing the right kinds of things either. And now in our passage, Jesus seems to be flippant when it comes to the Sabbath. I mean, who does this guy think he is? The Sabbath is pretty important. It's number four in the Ten Commandments, after all. Kind of a big deal. And here's how big of a deal it is. While the Israelites were in the wilderness, a man was found gathering wood on the Sabbath day. Those who found him gathering wood brought him to Moses and Aaron and the whole assembly, and they kept him in custody because it was not clear what should be done to him. Then the Lord said to Moses, The man must die. The whole assembly must stone him outside the camp. 
So the assembly took him outside the camp and stoned him to death as the Lord commanded Moses. Well, the Sabbath is serious business. And not honoring the Sabbath is one of the reasons cited that the nation of Israel is conquered. Ezekiel, you have despised my holy things and desecrated my Sabbaths. And here's the consequence of that. I will disperse you among the nations and scatter you through the countries, and I will put an end to your uncleanness. They're in this predicament. They're in this situation as a people, as a nation, because they messed up. They didn't follow the law. They didn't follow the decrees. And so the Pharisees want to do better. You know, if we want God to bless us as a people, as a nation, if we want God's favor, we need to obey the law. We need to follow to the letter the decrees and regulations. we got to get serious about this. And so the teachers of the law add more and more restrictions just to be safe, just to be sure that they're not violating the law. Here's the law about the Sabbath, Exodus. Six days you shall labor, but on the seventh day you shall rest. Even during the plowing season and harvest you must rest. No harvesting, but your disciples, Jesus, are plucking the grain. That's arguably harvesting. But Jesus says this, Jesus answered them, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and taking the consecrated bread, he ate what is lawful only for priests to eat, and he also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Okay, think about how that sounds to the Pharisees. It'd be one thing if he argued the merits of the law or the added traditions, right? If he argued, you're misinterpreting the law. Picking heads of grain with your hand isn't harvesting. Have you never read what it says in Deuteronomy? If you enter your neighbor's vineyard, you may eat all the grapes you want, but do not put any in your basket. If you enter your neighbor's grain field, you may pick kernels with your hands, but you must not put a sickle to their standing grain. Picking heads of grain with your hand isn't stealing because it's not harvesting. He could have argued that, but what he more or less says is, yeah, well, David broke the law too. What kind of answer is that? You know, Jesus is not saying the right kinds of things. Jesus is not doing the right kinds of things. You know, it can be very easy for us to sneer at the Pharisees, but I think we need to heed it as a warning for our hearts. And I often wonder, realistically, would I be a follower of Jesus if I encountered him the way the Pharisees did? If he was hanging around people that I have a hard time loving? Or what if he undermined my theology? What if he looked at us and said, Reformed? You are badly mistaken. What if he came in here and criticized the way we do church? Would we still be inclined to call him Lord? Well, let's not be too arrogant or prideful to think that we're better. Let's respond in humility and gratitude that the Spirit of God gave us eyes to see Jesus for who he is. He is the Lord of the Sabbath. Now, to be clear, Jesus does not violate the law. Jesus says, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. And he lives a perfect life of obedience to the will of God the Father and in perfect submission to the law. But Jesus wants these Pharisees, and us as well, to understand something here. Righteousness is not a technicality. You know, listen to these words in Isaiah. Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. 
New moons, Sabbaths, and convocations, I cannot bear your worthless assemblies. Your new moon feasts and your appointed festivals, I hate with all my being. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. Well, they're following the law, right? God commanded these things, Sabbaths and new moon feasts and festivals, and they're doing it. They're following the rules. See, you can follow the rules, uh, but that doesn't make you righteous. You can show up to church and bow your head in prayer and tithe and sing the songs and dutifully listen in the sermon, but your heart can be far from God and disconnected from the reason behind these things. Isaiah 29, 13 describes this. The Lord says, These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules they have been taught. You can follow the letter of the law and not fulfill the spirit of the law. But likewise, you can violate the letter of the law in order to fulfill the spirit of the law. What does that mean? Well, we have to be real careful here. We are not in any way, shape, or form suggesting that it is ever permissible to sin. It is not permissible. It is never permissible. What we are suggesting, though, is that the righteous and moral thing is not moored in legalism. A common illustration might help. Uh, The Bible tells us not to lie, not to bear false witness. In fact, that's rule number nine of the Ten Commandments. Pretty important. But... If you're hiding Jews in Nazi Germany and the Gestapo shows up knocking on your door asking if you're hiding Jews, what's the moral thing to do? What's the righteous thing to do? I would say lie. And that's a violation of the letter of the law, but it's a fulfillment of the spirit of the law. It's an action in service to loving God and loving your neighbor, which is the very intention behind all of the law. And that's how Jesus frames the issue. He puts it this way in verse 9. Then Jesus said to them, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? Righteousness is not a technicality. Our righteous acts are in every action and every deed and every word and every inner thought a pursuit of loving God and loving our neighbor as ourselves. It's possible to follow the letter of the law and not fulfill the spirit of the law. And likewise, it's possible to violate the letter of the law in order to fulfill the spirit of the law. And so the example Jesus gives is the priest giving bread to David violates the letter of the law in regards to ceremonial regulation, but it honors the spirit of the law of loving your neighbor, feeding people who have no food and are hungry. In the Gospel of Mark, it's put this way. Jesus says, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. The Sabbath is a blessing to man, and it is for our good. You know, I think about that when it comes to modern expressions of Sabbath-keeping with Orthodox Jews. They have things like goyims, which is basically just a Yiddish term for Gentile, a non-Jew. People that they sometimes pay or hire to do tasks for them on the Sabbath. One of the most common tasks in history that goyims did was build fires. And that was really pretty important in cold climates. But the letter of the law says this, Do not light a fire in any of your dwellings on the Sabbath day. You're not allowed to touch the thermostat. 
You know, my sister, when she was living in New York City, mentioned this Orthodox Jew in the apartment building. He had a slight issue with the radiator. And so he walked all the way down the stairs, knocked on the door of the super to get him to come up and fiddle with the radiator. Because it was the Sabbath, and he couldn't adjust it himself. No, he had to walk all the way down, and then all the way back up the stairs again, because he's resting. Seems silly, doesn't it? You know, Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Now, there's certainly some wonderful things about Sabbath rest for Orthodox Jews. You know, things like no electronics. That seems hard, but it's probably a good thing. Get off the devices, get off the television, get off of social media. That's probably good for you. And the ways that Christians approach the Sabbath also has some practical benefits. It's good to rest, to be intentional and deliberate about rest, to pause our lives, to pray and reflect and worship. Oh, that can only be good for our souls. And we are a people that can get lost in work. We're Americans. We pride ourselves on our work ethic. And it's really comforting to think that all success can be boiled down to how hard you work or how smart you work. Because if success is solely linked to work ethic, well, then we're in control. We can control that. And that type of thinking is certainly also in the church. You just need to work harder. Or more commonly, you just need to work smarter. You just need the right systems. You just need the right software or the right organization or the right structure or the right curriculum. That's the issue. Or the right kind of music or the right kind of vibe. That's what leads to success. And the Holy Spirit can join in if you want to. That's fine. Now, there's certainly practical weekly, daily benefits for Christians engaging with Sabbath rest. It puts our work in proper perspective. It gives us opportunity to reflect and reorient our hearts and our minds on God. But I think there's something even more here than that. Admittedly, I, I think I perhaps have a slightly different view of the Sabbath than many Christians. I have no objection to people resting in honor of the Sabbath. That's a good thing. But I think at its heart, the Sabbath is an expression of faith. And that's apparent when you're talking about an agrarian society like the Israelites were. I think our farmers can probably still appreciate this. Right? Resting can be hard when it's time for the seed to get planted or it's harvest time. And these old societies are not nearly as sophisticated as ours. There's a lot that can go wrong, and they are very much dependent on those crops and on their livestock. Resting in that kind of society is much bigger of an act of faith. Trusting that God will protect, having faith that God will provide, that God will sustain. I can rest, but it doesn't take much faith. I'm not worried about where my next meal is coming from just because I took a day off. I have a refrigerator. It'll keep. And I'm a salary man. It doesn't take much faith to rest. So is the Sabbath a big deal or is it not a big deal? And the Bible says this, Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall, and they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Don't judge? One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Either way is fine. Uh, how did we get from stoning someone to death for not holding a day sacred to, eh, either way is fine. 
Well, let's start here, Colossians. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Therefore, because of what Christ accomplished, right, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. A shadow of the things to come. Now let's turn to Hebrews. So, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested and tried me, though for forty years they saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts are always going astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Ezekiel describes this as well. God says in Ezekiel, Also with uplifted hand I swore to them in the wilderness that I would not bring them into the land I had given them, a land flowing with milk and honey, the most beautiful of all lands, because they rejected my laws and did not follow my decrees and desecrated my Sabbaths, for their hearts were devoted to their idols. Their hearts were not devoted to God. Their faith was not in God, and so they do not enter into the promised land. They do not enter into God's rest. Now back to Hebrews. This is a bit lengthy, but it's very much worth it. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them, because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now we who have believed enter that rest, just as God has said. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet his works have been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. On the seventh day God rested from all his works. And again in the passage above he says, they shall never enter my rest. Therefore, since it still remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in because of their disobedience, God again set a certain day, calling it today. This he did when a long time later he spoke through David, as in the passage already quoted, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains, then, a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us, therefore, make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. The Sabbath rest talked about here is not just practical. It's not just a good, helpful idea or a fine spiritual discipline. It's life and death. Entering into the promised land or not. 
But even Joshua couldn't bring them true rest because that promised land was a shadow of what was to come. The reality is found in Christ. The Sabbath is about faith because you will not be saved by your works. You will not enter into the promised land by working harder or relying on yourself or obeying all the man-made traditions. Isn't it funny how the Pharisees take rest basically as a work? Like they're checking a box on a to-do list of righteousness. But it says in Hebrews, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Back to Jesus, verse 9. Then Jesus said to them, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? He looked around at them all and then said to the man, stretch out your hand. He did so, and his hand was completely restored. The Sabbath is a shadow of the thing to come. The reality is found in Jesus. It is our faith in Jesus, not our works, that brings healing. It is our faith in Jesus, not our works, that brings us into his kingdom, that brings us safely into the promised land. It is our faith in Jesus, not our works, that brings us rest. There is a Sabbath day for God's people, and it's called today. If today you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts like the Israelites did. Or like the Pharisees do. How sad is this? Listen to verse 7 again. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. How twisted is that? Oh, he better not heal someone. It's the Sabbath. But Jesus does heal. and, And here's the response. Verse 11. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were furious and began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. Uh, How sad, right? They're so lost in their traditions and their regulations and their self-imposed righteousness. They honor the Sabbath with their lips, but their hearts are far from it. And so they never enter into God's rest. The book of Hebrews says this, Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. Well, let's not be like those Israelites. Let's not be like these Pharisees. Let us put our faith in Jesus today. If you have not yet done so, come to the Lord of the Sabbath and enter into his rest. Thanks for listening. If you want to know more about the ministries and mission of Tulare Community Church, visit us at tccalive.org.